Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. Chapter 9, Crisis Feeling As we thought about crisis color, we were focusing on the mood, tone, or effect of the individual in crisis. The color then, is his overall or predominant emotional tone or state. As we talk about communication feeling, it will be important to keep this understanding of crisis color in mind. Messages with feeling. Crisis color tells us something about the individual as a whole person in the present situation. Communication feeling has to do with the specific messages conveyed back and forth between you and the individual in crisis. As we looked at the content within the communication loop, we saw that each message has a factual or objective meaning. Each message also comes with its own specific feeling. For example, an individual may be very angry, his crisis may be red. However, this does not necessarily mean that he is angry about everything and everyone. In fact, there may be some people, events, or situations involved in his crisis that make him feel good, smile, or feel pleased. A small child who is very upset or angry with one parent may have good and loving feelings toward the other. A teenager who is very upset and apprehensive as a result of her boyfriend's going out with another girl may be furious with the girl but still have loving, caring feelings toward the boyfriend. Even though the individual's mood may be predominantly anxious, afraid, angry, or depressed, it is not necessarily or usually true that he is upset about everything and everyone. Similarly, some things may be making him feel fearful while others make him feel guilty. Some things may make him feel angry while others make him feel apprehensive. Jerry, age 17, is in a red crisis. He has a very defiant look and sits rigidly in the chair beside your desk. You ask, how are you today, Jerry? Fine. I didn't want to come here. My father said he would take me to juvenile court if I didn't come. I'm here because it's better than going to court. You ask, did you get into some kind of trouble? Yeah, I just got suspended from school. One of the big shot teachers reported us. This is my first offense. The other two, it's their second time. He found out we were passing a joint. You ask, passing a joint gets you suspended from school? Yeah. I've been smoking for four years and had to get caught. You ask, how did getting suspended go over at home? Well, my dad, I was surprised, he just laughed, nodded his head, and said that's my kid. You ask, how did your mom take it? She had a fit. She may still be yelling for all I know. My uncle, he was really upset. Now, he's real neat. I can tell him anything. I don't really need you people. Any talking I do, I do with him. You say, it's nice you can talk with him. We know how your mom and dad and uncle feel about it. How do you feel about getting suspended? Well, it's nice in a way. I don't have to sit in all those stupid classes, but it just gets me further behind. I want to graduate so I can go to college, but those classes are such a bore. From Jerry's red crisis and from his somewhat hostile attitude, you might have assumed that he would be quite negative towards school and education. He does not like school, but he is not particularly happy about being suspended. You say, classes can be a bore sometimes. They, those teachers, get me mad. I start cursing in class. This one overheard me and made me stay after class. He asked me if I like him, and I told him, hell, no. And ran out of the room. He hasn't liked me much since then. You are developing a suspicion that Jerry's temper may be a problem to him, and you ask, do you get angry often? Yeah, I start cursing a blue streak, and when I do, it feels so good that, oh, I haven't been doing nearly as much, my mom had to go to California for a while, and my dad and I had a really good time. We laughed and joked. My mom's back. Everything is back to the way it was. Jerry's comment that everything is back the same way tells us that things are like they were before his mom left, but it does not tell us much about how it really is. 
You can tell that he does not feel particularly good about the situation, but you need to find out more about it. You ask, what do you mean? Well, I just get mad. My dad screams at me for the stupidest things. I turn up the stereo to drown him out, and he just yells more. You make a mental note of the fact that Jerry fights at home with his dad, but he does not mention any fights with his mom. From his earlier comments, you had suspected that it would be the other way around. Sometimes, I get so mad I go out and throw rocks at the dogs. They really bellow, and I feel better. Jerry still has not told you much about what the arguments with his dad are about. You ask, what caused the hassle with your dad? Oh, getting up in the morning. There's always a big fight about that. You can hardly get up at 6 o'clock when you don't go to bed until 1.30 or 2. You ask, what do you do to such wee hours in the morning? I sneak out. I'm supposed to get married to a girl down the road from me. She just got divorced. Another girl I met a couple of days ago, I really want to go out with her. God. I don't want to get married. I'd lose my freedom. A friend of mine got married, and his wife aborted their child. I can't see killing anything. Trying to better understand the precipitating event, you ask, was there anything other than the suspension that got your dad to have you come talk with me? See my wrists? My doctor, he sewed me up for the fourth time. You ask, were you trying to kill yourself? Yeah. I guess so. Jerry's feelings about his friend's wife's abortion and his trying to kill himself seem a little inconsistent. You ask, how do you feel about trying to kill yourself? It feels good. I like to watch the blood run down my fingers. My uncle caught me last time and told me to quit it. I told him, hell, no. He took me into the house and to the doctor. You say, you seem to value other people's lives but not your own. Don't ask me why I do the things I do. I don't know. You ask, it's confusing isn't it, not knowing why you do the things you do? Yes. My uncle helps a lot. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't talk to him. I used to have a dog I talked to, but he died. Animals are nice. They listen to me and love me. My dog gave me a kiss one time. You begin to see that Jerry's anger and casual attitude about things disguises deep feelings of loneliness and of not being loved. These feelings are so extreme that he seems to feel more comfortable with and loved by animals than he does with or by people. You recall some feelings of your own having to do with not feeling loved, getting attention from and feeling close to animals and so on. You say, my hamster, I like talking to him sometimes. You have a hamster? I used to have one. It died on me. I've had all kinds of pets, dogs, cats, snakes, guinea pigs, but they all died on me. As we can see, Jerry's red crisis gradually mellowed as it was filtered through your blue screen. He gradually calmed down, was less hostile, and began to relate to you. Throughout the softening of his red crisis however, he presented many different kinds of messages about a variety of people and situations. As you sensitively noted, each of the messages had both a content and a feeling. Just as the content changed from message to message, the feeling also changed. You carefully and caringly responded to Jerry, sometimes to the content of his message and sometimes to the feeling. Understanding the feeling. As we become involved in the communication loop with the individual and especially as we focus on communication content, it is extremely important that we understand both the meaning and feeling of each message. As we try to understand the meaning and feeling dimensions of each message, we need to be sure we do not assume that the individual feels this way or that way about it. In the case of the teenager who thought her boyfriend was going out with another girl, we may have assumed that the teenage girl would be angry with her boyfriend. We would have been wrong. She was, in fact, angry with the other girl but not with her boyfriend. Had we assumed that she was angry with her boyfriend without checking that out with her, we would have been very much on the wrong track in working with her. Mrs. N says, I really didn't have any interest. It just doesn't turn me on for him to come home and say, well, do you want to do it tonight? 
I said no because that really doesn't do anything for me. I mean, you just can't say, well, okay. If I'd say no, he'd say, well, okay. The next time he was alone, he would take out his sexual frustrations on himself rather than bother me about it. You ask, do you think the masturbation part is bad? What do you think about it? I don't think that's really wrong, but it makes me feel inadequate. I feel like I'm not satisfying him or something. But when he feels so guilty about it, that's what really bothers me. If he could feel like it's okay and there's nothing wrong with it, I wouldn't worry about it at all. We get along fine most of the time, but it's just when he walks in and says, let's do it, that upsets me. Mrs. N is in a yellow crisis. She is apprehensive and anxious. As our picture of her crisis developed, we learned that the conflict had something to do with the interaction between her and her husband. The conflict seems to focus specifically around their sexual relationship. As we can see from the series of messages however, she has the most serious feelings about his verbal approach to her and the fact that he feels guilty about masturbation. She feels somewhat inadequate along with feeling guilty because he feels guilty. Even though her overall mood, or effect, is afraid and anxious and her crisis is yellow, she has specific feelings about specific aspects of her situation. As we communicate with her then, it is important for us to understand the feeling that goes with each message so that we do not misinterpret or misunderstand the message. As we think about the crisis content, it is important for us to understand the meaning of the individual's messages. When we ask, what happened? We must be sure that we pursue things until we really do understand what happened. This understanding must then, combine with a similar understanding of how the individual feels about what happened. We are then very close to really understanding. Ken, age 20, talks calmly and quietly with you on the hotline but seems a little sad. You have been talking with him for a few minutes and ask him what he does not like about marriage. Well, I feel bad. I was the one who talked my wife into marrying me. She wanted to wait till we were sure, but I didn't want to wait, and now I don't like it. She doesn't want to do anything. All she wants to do is sit at home. I've always been active. I think it looks bad for a newly married couple, for one of them to go out by himself. I've been sitting home with her. The only thing we do is visit her parents. I really love her parents. I don't mind going over there once in a while, but she spends from 9 in the morning until midnight there on Saturdays and Sundays. We never do anything together, by ourselves. I've never seen anyone change so much in my life. Before we were married, she wanted to do things and go out to nice places all the time. Now she won't do anything. You see that Ken is not very happy about his relationship with his wife, but won't do anything is fairly vague. You want to know a little more clearly what kinds of things Ken is concerned about. He doesn't like something, but what is it that he doesn't like? You ask, won't do anything? Even sex isn't good. She just wants me to do it and then wants to go to sleep. That ain't much fun for me, and I can't see how she'd like it much either. She likes to wrestle. I like to wrestle and play with her too, but she tries to hurt me. She pinches and scratches and bends my fingers to where it really hurts. She thinks it's fun, but I don't. I get scratches on me from her fingernails. When I ask her not to be so rough, she just gets real quiet and walks off. I've really tried hard to talk with her about it, but she just gets mad and says that we can talk later. I try, but she just doesn't care to talk with me about our problem. This sounds really stupid, but I finally wrote her a letter. She read it. She just stared at me. I asked her to talk about it, and she said, so what? She's perfectly happy. I do everything I'm supposed to, pay the bills, go to work, make sure she has the things she wants, help around the house. I told her she reminded me of my mom. I really love my mom, but the way she treated my dad is the same way she treats me. You say, you seem to feel really sad about this. It sure gets to me. I can't sleep, and I vomit up everything I eat. You say, that's really rough. 
from your knowledge of depression and understanding of crisis communication, you verbally speculate by asking, how do you deal with the angry feelings you have about things with your wife? I feel kind of guilty about this. No, I don't know. Maybe I don't feel guilty about it. Anyway, I went to a ball game the other night. I had tried to get her to go with me, but she said she'd just stay home and watch TV. I really was pretty mad when I left. Anyway, I met an old high school girlfriend of mine at the ball game. Well, I really was mad at my wife and figured, so what? If she doesn't care, what difference does it make? Well, one thing led to another, and you know how it goes. You say, I could guess. But why don't you tell me so I don't have to guess? We talked for a while, and she was so nice and gentle and understanding. I really enjoyed the attention, and she really made me feel like someone important. I don't know whether I love my wife or not, but I hadn't had that feeling for a long time. We went for a ride and made love. It was nice, and I probably will be seeing her again. At least, she doesn't scratch me and make me feel like I'm attacking her. You ask, what do you think your wife would feel if she found out about you and your friend? I'm not about to tell her, but I'm not sure it would make any difference to her. I could just pay the bills and make sure she had everything she wanted, and she wouldn't have to bother with me anymore. You say, that must be a rather hopeless feeling. As you talk with Ken, it becomes clear that he is depressed and feels that his relationship with his wife is hopeless. His crisis has a black quality. You also see, however, that he does not feel depressed about everything. Apparently, he has good feelings about his girlfriend and enjoys that relationship. You might suspect that his wife would be upset if she were to learn about the relationship. Ken's feeling is that she wouldn't care. In fact, she might like the idea since it would give her an excuse to pay even less attention to him. The content of some of Ken's messages was somewhat unclear. As you talked with him, you carefully tried to clarify the content of his messages while being sure that you understood the feeling attached to the messages. Carefully combining your understanding of both the feeling and content of his messages gradually moved you to a point of greater empathy and understanding. It is true that Ken did almost all the talking. As you think about the discussion however, it is important to see that your comments and questions gradually encouraged him to let you know more about the feeling and content of his messages and of his situation. Message Clarification the development of this interaction model of crisis communication shows content and crisis feeling as separate but interrelated aspects of the communication loop. In actual crisis situations however, it may be helpful to think about content and feeling as parts of a message clarification process. The individual has ideas and feelings that he wants to communicate to us. He somehow puts these into verbal and non-verbal messages that we have to interpret. How do we go about decoding or interpreting his messages? We want to know what he means and how he feels. As we begin to communicate with him then, we might deal with each message by first clarifying the meaning and feelings. We could say to him, I hear you saying that things happen this way. We then restate what we understood him to have said. Having done that, we say, if that is what you meant, it seems like you feel this way about it, and tell him how we think he feels. He has given us a message, and we have responded by telling him what we understood him to have meant and how we think he feels about it. This helps him think about what he meant and what was involved in the situation as well as getting him to focus specifically on his feelings. If we have accurately understood and read his feelings, he will go on to give us another message. If not, he will clarify his meaning or feeling. With each message, we can go through this process of restating the meaning and feeling, letting him clarify and restate if we were wrong, and continuing back and forth until we really do understand. More importantly, this process lets him know that we understand. To push the point one step farther, we can see that the process of message clarification helps him think more clearly about what is going on and helps him clarify his own feelings. He has used our skill and ability to enhance his own ability to understand and think through his thoughts and feelings. To summarize the idea of message clarification, we want to be sure that we understand both the meaning and feeling dimensions of each message.
We accomplish this by restating the message in our own words and asking the individual if we have accurately caught his meaning. In addition, we reflect back to him our understanding of his feelings about the particular incident, person, situation, and so on. This gives him an opportunity to see if we really do understand how he feels. If we have misread his feelings, he can clarify them for us. We will continue the process of restating and reflecting the meaning and feeling of the message until the individual agrees that we really do understand what he meant and how he feels. We will not go on to another subject or question until we are sure that we really do understand what is being said now. I hear you saying, and you seem to feel. I hear you saying, but I'm not sure how you feel about it. You seem to feel, but I'm not sure what you think about it. If we continue the process of message clarification until we understand both the meaning and the feeling of the message, we have reached a point of honest, informed empathy. This level of understanding and empathy is the major goal of crisis communication. We gently and persistently clarify each message from the individual until our understanding of his meaning and feeling is the same as his. We are then sincerely and honestly able to say to him, I hear you, I understand you, and I care. In our day-to-day -day relationships with other people, we occasionally feel that we are talking with someone but not communicating with them. The process of message clarification is an extremely useful technique in such situations. In crisis intervention however, message clarification is critical if we are to avoid misunderstanding or the feeling that we are not communicating with the individual. With our family, friends, business associates, and so on, there is an equal and shared responsibility to be sure that we do, in fact, communicate. In crisis intervention, the responsibility for clear and meaningful communication is ours. This example of message clarification may seem very stilted, and you may think you would never use this technique in any kind of interaction, especially not in a discussion with a person in crisis. Nevertheless, you should at least try it out the next time you get the feeling that you are not communicating. Message, I'm 16 now, and I don't think you should keep treating me like a baby. Response, I hear you saying that you think I treat you like a baby and that it makes you pretty angry. Message, yes, it makes me mad. You act as if I should account to you for every breath I take and for every minute of my day. Response, I hear you saying that I act like you have to account to me for everything you do or think, and you feel like that's a bit much. Message, it's too much. I don't know where you think you get off. I'm old enough to make my own decisions and to decide about my own life. Response, it sounds like you are saying that you do not think that I have any right to tell you what to do or to have any control over you, and when I try to tell you what to do or to control you, you feel like I am pushing and interfering with your life. Message, I didn't say that at all. I didn't say that you don't have any right to tell me what to do. I just said that I think you treat me like a baby. You want to decide everything for me. It's not that you don't have any rights. It's just that I think that you can carry it too far, and that makes me pretty mad. Response, I misunderstood. I thought you were saying that I didn't have any right to tell you what to do or to try to set some kind of limits. I'm glad we are talking about this. Your point seems to be that you think I carry things too far, and that's what makes you mad. Message, yes. You just carry it too far. I don't think I should be allowed to do everything I want to, but I do think I should have some freedom and some right to make my own decisions. Response, you seem to feel a little better now that you're finally getting your message through to me. I guess the problem is where to draw the line. Our disagreement is about where I do have the right to tell you what to do and where I don't. Would you agree with that? Message, yes. I think we should really get that straightened out. Response, I agree. I think we should get it straightened out too. What ideas do you have? Message, I don't know. If I told you, you'd just get mad again. Response, I hear you say that you don't know, but I think you probably have some ideas about it. The problem seems to be that you don't think I will listen. You figure I'll just get mad about it. Message, that's about it. Response, I'm sorry I have made you feel that way. 
I didn't realize it, but I guess I must have a habit of getting angry when you try to tell me what you think and feel. That really makes me feel bad. Would you be willing to try to tell me what kinds of rules and limits you think would be fair? If you will try to tell me, I will try to listen without getting angry. Message, I'll try, but I don't think it'll help much. Response, if you will try to tell me, I will try to listen. I hear you saying that you are willing to try but that you don't think I will listen without getting angry. I'm not saying I agree with you or that we will necessarily do it the way you want it done, but I am saying that I will really try to listen to what you are thinking and feeling and will try to keep my emotions and feelings under control. If we can talk about it with this agreement, I will really try, and I want you to tell me if it seems like I am getting angry or upset. In summary, crisis feeling is a different dimension of communication than crisis color. Crisis color relates to the mood or tone when responding to crisis. Crisis feeling relates to the messages we receive. Each message has both a content and feeling associated with it. The message has an objective or factual meaning, while the individual has specific feelings about those facts. In addition to understanding the fact or objective reality, crisis communication directs us to recognize and understand the feeling as well. The process of understanding and responding to the feeling and content of the message is message clarification. In the course of crisis communication, it is necessary to understand and clarify both the content and feeling of the messages from individuals in crisis. When we are able to do this in an effective way, we are reaching a point of honest, informed empathy with the individual. This level of empathy lets him know that we hear him, we understand, and we care.